So if you have been with us for the last few weeks, you will know that we have been going through the Sermon on the Mount series. And so this evening, we're actually taking just a brief pause from that series, and we'll be returning to that next week. But last week, Andy was talking to us about the fact that we need to not judge one another, and we need to continue to try and live out that greatest commandment to love one another, something that is not always easy is a challenge, um, but something that is so important and vital for us to continue to do. And so what we're going to do this evening is we're going to look at a passage of scripture which many of you will know of. It's something that God's been speaking to me about for the last few months, and I shared a bit about it when we went away as a staff team in September. And even though, as Caroline said, I've shared this message at the 9.15 and the 10.30 today. I really get a sense that God wants to do something different, even if it's through the same words this evening. And so I would really encourage you to have that posture, as Zach was talking about. Hands open, asking God, what is it that you want to say to me this evening through these words that we hear. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn to the scripture, then please do, or it will be on the screen. We are going to be looking at Luke 13, verse 10 to 16. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. This passage has so many different levels and layers. We could probably spend an entire series just looking at this story and what God might be saying to us through it. But I believe that there are some specific things that God wants to draw out of this this evening. And it's helpful for us to give some context as to where this passage comes in Scripture. Because preceding this story, there's a short passage about the fig tree. The fig tree being the symbol of Israel. Jesus has searched the branches of Israel's faith for signs of genuine connection to the Father. For healthy roots, signs of that. And he sees nothing 
So he declares it's time for a new thing. Everything that Luke does is thought through. The positioning of things is not just haphazard and random. It's actually there because it's drawing us and giving us evidence of a wider point that he is making that actually Israel and the fruitlessness and the distance from God is something that is going and a new reality is coming. And following this passage, we hear about the mustard tree. And for those of you that don't know, the mustard tree was something that was considered a non-impressive weed, something which was forbidden in Jewish law to be planted. Yet by its humble strength, the mustard tree could overwhelm a land, spreading rapidly, regardless of what might be in its way, a truly unexpected picture of the kingdom. And so it's in this moment and this point that we hear this story about this woman. We don't know much about her, but what we do know from verse 10 and 11, we are told it's the Sabbath, and we're told that this woman through some illness, has been crippled and bent over for 18 long years. There's lots of different views and opinions and interpretations as to why she might have this illness and what that illness may be. And that might be for a different talk on a different evening. But the thing that I think is so significant about this is the stature and the stance that she would have had for those 18 years. As she was bent over, she would have been looking at the floor, at the dirt, at the dust. She would have been known in that community as somebody who was unclean. She would have been known, people would have called her names, people would have said things about her behind her back. But because of that stance and that position, she would not have been able to have had eye-to-eye contact with people unless people had chosen to go low and look at her. Maybe she would have had interaction with small children, but not with others. Some might say not a terribly dignified position. But what we know from verse 12, where Jesus says, woman, you are set free from your infirmity is that Jesus saw that she had the potential. He saw that she could have fullness of life. He saw that she actually could flourish and be set free from this situation that she was in. But she had to do something. She had to respond. He calls her, but she has to make a journey She has to take a step to get to him. Because if you imagine the situation and the way that the synagogue would have been laid out, Jesus and the religious leaders and everybody else would have been, and then she would have been in the opposite end. She would have been seen as unworthy, unclean, not fit to be there. Yet she responds to that voice and she starts to walk forward. And you can imagine the scenes people saying, sit down, this isn't for you. Who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? But there is something about his voice 
There is something about this moment where she keeps going. Jesus is calling out something of the fruitlessness. And so the first point I want to make this evening is that the smallest step can start a journey. When I look around and when I hear the stories that we've heard this evening and in the two gatherings that we've had already, I am so encouraged and overwhelmed about what God is doing in and through the life of people in our gatherings and in our church family. It is amazing to hear and to see. But what is Jesus actually prompting you on this evening? Is there a first step that maybe you need to take? Something that he's reminding you of that maybe you've had dormant for a little while? Ask him. Maybe it's to go along to a community. Maybe it's this evening when we have some time later to just go around and find out what is happening from the different stalls that we have here. Like we said, if you are here for the first time, we don't usually have our gathering looking like this, but we do this twice a year because we feel it's so important and significant for us to know what is going on, not just in this building, but outside of these walls as well. The way that people in our teams are serving, the way that people in our communities are interacting with one another. We are designed for community. God has made us to be people who crave and need and want connection. And so what is he saying to you? Because, you know, I get it. It's sometimes asking us to do something. It's something that at times can be costly. It's something that at times can be difficult. I don't know how you felt this evening when you were asked to speak to the person that was sitting around you. Maybe you cringed. I've been there. I've got two small children. And there's sometimes in a morning gathering where we might be asked to speak to the person next to you. And I think I've been up all night with a screaming baby or with some, you know, one of them that's been unwell. I don't really feel like I want to speak to somebody right now. But actually, the significance of that, that small step can be a start of a journey or maybe it's that actually you've been a part of a community or you're thinking of being a part of a community but you know that actually that means I've got to change some things in my schedule I've got to do some stuff it's a bit costly I don't know if I want to do that Andy and I um, felt really called to move to a certain part of this city uh, last year something which we really felt in our hearts but we knew that it was going to be a bit difficult. It's an area that's got quite a mixed demographic and challenge. And just this week, I heard of the fact that our next door neighbor's uh, son's best friend at the age of 10, the other day at six o'clock in the evening, was accosted by a group of youths. And for two hours, this 10-year-old was tormented by them, was beaten, his bike was broken. He was asked to fight For two hours, a 10-year-old was treated in that way. As a mum of two children, when I heard that, my first thing was, what are we doing here? I don't want to bring my boys up in this environment. 
But actually, and I get emotional as I say this to you, I was reminded again of the fact that God called us to be there and for us to answer that call and go because if we don't, how do these people get to know Jesus? If I stay in what's nice and cozy, how do I teach my boys who I love the ways of the world? And when I'm in that moment, God reminds me, you love them, but how much more do I love them? You want to protect them, but how much more do I protect them? Or maybe, as I've had recently, that moment where I've been dropping off Jensen, my eldest, at school, and I've maybe seen a mum in need, and I've thought, I feel that prompting that actually I need to maybe go and speak to them. But I also remember that today is the only day that I have this entire to-do list to get done. What do I do in that moment? I'm still very much on the journey, as you are. I don't stand here before you saying that I've got it all sorted. Far from it. Remember, I'm stubborn. But fill in the blanks for yourself. What is it? Is there a step that Jesus is calling you to make this evening? As the story goes on, we see in verse 13 that Jesus also breaches a whole list of Sabbath decorums. Breach number one, Jesus touches a woman. Breach number two, touching someone unclean. Breach number three, it's during worship. Yet the significance of this is that actually she is restored she is found, she is healed miraculously. And here's the thing, he lifts her head. He restores her dignity. And whilst we don't know what she went on to do, we know that this small act has had a great impact. You and I are called to do this. If we know Jesus, just like we've heard this evening, we follow in his ways. Fran did that this evening by getting baptised. But we also do this through our communities, through our teams, through the way we serve, through the way we build relationships with one another. How are you helping to lift others' heads, metaphorically speaking? How are you helping to draw people to a point of seeing and knowing their true identity in Jesus? It requires effort at times, but you're not alone in doing it. That is why community is so valuable. When I read that story and when I heard that story, because it's been going around social media about this little boy, I instantly text my community and said, we need to pray. We need to pray that God continues to work in us and through us. And that's why we want to come together this evening so you can also hear and see and know what is going on outside of this building. So that when you do speak to people, when you do build relationship with people, if you find out that somebody actually could really do with the counselling service, you know where to signpost them. Or you meet somebody who lives in an area of our city and you know that there's a community there and so you can connect them in. That's why we do this. Some of my story is that I was born into quite a volatile situation. 
My dad was an alcoholic and was physically abusive to my mum, my sister and I. And when I was born into this, I picked up on all of the stress and the tension that was in that family home. And as a result of that, let's just say I wasn't a very quiet baby. Um, And I haven't really been that quiet ever since. But as somebody said to me this morning, that's why I love this church family, you know, God has given you a voice for a reason. And I know that. Like, I've got a lot of words. You can pray for Andy at times. He's a big introvert. But what happened in that moment where my mum was desperate, not knowing what to do, she heard of a local mums and toddlers group. And she went there with me. And when she went there, she didn't share what was going on at home because she wanted to stay safe And it wasn't yet a safe space to divulge what was going on at home. But the women in that mums and toddlers group asked that question that we were hearing earlier. God, what are you maybe saying to us? What can we do? Because they recognised there was a need there. And so they made a decision to offer to my mum to set up a rota of women on a daily basis to come and take me out for an hour for a walk to give my mum some respite. A small act, you might say. But it was that that led my mum to become a Christian because she wasn't a Christian when she went there. And so that is a huge part of my story and so significant. The smallest step can start a journey and the smallest act can have the greatest impact. And finally, in verse 15 and 16, Jesus challenges the religious leaders to their rituals and their regulations, not only because of his response to them, but also because he refers to this woman as a daughter of Abraham, previously would have been known as a daughter of Eve, which carried a negative view, opinion of it. And so what Jesus does in this moment of giving her this new name is he indicates that she is now a descendant of the royal line. She is a member of the family of God. Something so precious that reiterates that she is worthy of this healing. Do we see people through that lens? When we encounter people, do we look for Jesus in them? I used to work a number of years ago as a probation officer. And you don't have those in Scotland, but I used to work with high-risk offenders in and out of prison. And I remember at times being told I had a new case coming or somebody was coming in for an interview. And so I would be given all the CPS papers. And as I would read through those, I would think at times, I do not want to meet this person. What this person has done is awful. But time and time again, I felt convicted by Jesus. He would remind me, I don't like what they've done either, but I still love them. I created them. I created them and actually they're in family with you because I created all of you. A change in mindset and a change of the way we view people can bring us together as family. It's not easy. It's costly. 
even those who feel so far away, can come back into the family. And so how do we respond this evening to these words that we've heard? Being a disciple involves action that demonstrates the new life we are living. And so as we've been speaking, has Holy Spirit prompted you of a step that maybe you need to take, of an act that maybe you need to do, of a way that you need to see people through a different lens. Like I said, I don't stand here saying these things for you to feel bad or for you to feel guilty or for you to go, I'm too busy, I don't have time. We all have some time. As I've been in my role here at Central, I've been so overwhelmed at hearing and finding out stories of the ways that people are loving one another. But also, it is a small proportion of a big church family that are doing that. And there's always times where we see a situation or we see a need, and if we're honest, there's times where we go, somebody else will deal with that. But what is it that you're going to do if Jesus is saying, but what about you? You might feel that actually you've got nothing to give or nothing to bring, but that's not true. That's not true. And so before we go into the next part of our gathering where we're going to be able to go around and hear and see and know and find out some more of what is going on in and through um, the life of our church. And if, when we get to that point, you're up in the gallery, please calm down. We're still going to be serving tea and coffee. We want you to connect in. But even if you don't want to go around any of these tables, come and maybe speak to somebody that you've not spoken to before. I know it takes something inside to sometimes do that. But come and connect with people. But I just really sense, and we sensed as we were praying earlier, that actually we need to respond to these words this evening. So I'm going to ask uh, Lindsay or Liv, I don't know who, because we hadn't planned to do this, to come up and to lead us in a song, maybe two, of worship before we go into the next bit of our gathering. Because we need to respond this evening. God has been at work already, and he continues to be at work And so it's only between you and him. What is he saying to you? How is he encouraging you to respond? And even though we don't have an official prayer ministry team, ask people around you if you want somebody to pray with you right now. Ask somebody around you to pray with you. We would love to do that.